Hey, uh, welcome guys. Glad you guys are here. Um, this um, right here is interesting because we were originally not planning to still be uh, in this series. We're actually supposed to be kicking off something new, uh, but I felt like <clears throat> the Lord was leading us to kind of camp out in this area. There's a couple more things that as we've talked about this uh, idea of prayer that I felt like maybe we could explore a little uh, deeper. So um, I usually have like a full year planned of kind of like, let's talk about this, let's talk about that. So we took kind of an idea off the calendar and said, let's dive more into um, prayer. I've actually heard a lot of you um, say that not that this was some amazing series, but specifically the moment where we have been kind of practicing prayer together after service, where we're kind of getting some space on the uh, by the altar here, has been kind of special. And I know some of you um, probably um, don't maybe have just a ton of experience praying at home, which is okay. We just want to kind of be a first step for that. So that's what's happening right now. So truthfully, um, I am only kind of... Um, I'm just kind of trying to stay in step with what I feel like the Lord wants um, us to spend time with. Specifically, for the next couple weeks, I want to um, dive deeper into this idea of kind of your heart and kind of where it stands with this whole prayer thing. Now, what we talked about the last three weeks, uh, we talked about Jesus um, teaching on prayer. Um, does anybody think they could, before it's on the screen, does anybody think they can remember like one of the three steps that we said that Jesus said, he says, pray in this way. And then he, he kind of gave us the Lord's prayer and we gave you like three different phrases. Does anybody remember one of those phrases? Acknowledge you're mixing a couple of them. So let's call that declare God's greatness. There's two more. Yeah. Surrender your will. No, you're good? There's one more, and it starts with acknowledge. Acknowledge your dependency. Okay, so he says, pray then in this way, right? He says, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't do, because they're trying to like be seen while they're praying. They want people to think, oh, there's such a great prayer. So we have these three steps. Declare God's greatness, surrender your will, and acknowledge your dependency. What I would like to do, at least tonight, not sure if we're going to kind of continue this next week, Tonight is just to kind of hone in on that surrender your will part. There's a specific aspect of surrendering your will um, that I feel like, if I was just to be honest with you, I think that maybe our group needs a special, um, um, a special amount of help understanding this word repentance. Repentance. Now, repent, here's what's interesting. I talk to people all the time of different ages. Maybe they're your age. Maybe they're older. Um, and this word is one of the words that gets thrown around as something that those hardcore churches talk about. And they're all hellfire and brimstone. And our church isn't like that. And if I could just maybe lean into that a little bit, what I would say is we should be about repentance. In fact, it's one of the very first things that Jesus talked about. Um, I'm picking one verse. I could have picked... Um, all kinds of different verses, but Mark 1.15, one of the very first things that Jesus said is the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So if that's the first thing that Jesus says, it's probably important. Um, We actually, who was here on Sunday morning, specifically in the middle school service? Middle school LBS. 
So I talked about repent. Does anybody remember what I said, repenting? Okay, there's kind of an image. Grayson, what do you think? What does repent mean? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yep. Close. Getting closer. There's a specific... Abel? Hmm? Turning away from your sins is about as close as we've gotten. Um, here's what I'll say. This is... No, that's good. That's good. You got, it, you got it right. Oh, did someone tell you to say that? Mateo? Does Mateo know? Or is he just calling you out? That's, that's just Abel being Abel. Okay. So if you're in the middle school hour, one of the things that I did is I told you that repentance is kind of like this idea that, so you're born, you're born, are you born like, man, I just praise hands, like lifting God's name and all this kind of stuff, or are we born like pretty selfish? Yeah. When you wake up in the morning, are you just like, Lord, I just want to give my whole day up to you? Or do you kind of default every morning at like, what do I want to do? Right? We kind of default selfish a little bit. Now, when we're Christians, like we have this new nature, we have the Holy Spirit living in us, and we have this opportunity to not be selfish anymore, but to be following Jesus. But repenting is kind of this idea. First of all, it's the Greek word is metanoia. Everyone say metanoia. Metanoia. And it means to change your mind. Now, I've always said it this way. It's like changing your mind in such a way that you actually change your direction too. So if you're, if you're walking towards sin and selfishness, do you remember middle schoolers, LBS? Remember I was talking about this? You're walking towards like selfishness. You're choosing what you want. You're deciding what you want, right? Everything that you're picking is like, what do I want? And you're like, of course I would do that. I go through the lunch line. Do I pick square pizza, which is amazing? And I don't know, do you do square pizza still in school? This is what's wrong with your generation. Square pizza was great. So square pizza, or do you do like Salisbury steak? And you're like, ooh, that's a mystery me right there. I might get like a, like a tooth or something if I eat like Salisbury. That's not a good stuff. So I'm choosing, like, of course, I'm going to choose what I want. You're like, where's this illustration going? Well, so like we choose what we want in everyday life, but then we come to Christ and there's kind of this kind of like, oh, I need to start like turning away from selfishness and I start needing to like, Changed my mind of walking towards Christ. What does Christ want? So do we choose everything on our own based on our own wants and desires? No, that's not the Christian life. Is it that you are some sort of like robot walking around like I, you know, literally like the only words you say are Bible, Jesus, Bible, Je No, that's not exactly the same. But you should be in your like Christian life changing your direction because you've changed your mind. Repentance, metanoia, that's what it means. And the first thing that Jesus says is repent, right, for the kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. What's the gospel? Anybody want to take a crack at what the gospel is? The word of God? So if I share the gospel, I share the word of God? Okay. Buddhists believe, believe the word of God, believe the gospel? Okay. Okay, yeah, those are the gospels as far as like the, the, the books. But if I'm going to share the gospel with you, the good news, yeah. So the gospel has something to do with the fact that Jesus is saying, right, the time has been fulfilled, the kingdom is at hand, 
And what does the kingdom as a hand mean? That's kind of like a mysterious way. I guarantee if you were going to go share the gospel with someone, we've kind of made it into this, like, will you accept Jesus into your heart and you become a Christian and all these kinds of things. That Jesus didn't necessarily say that. It's not, it's not wrong per se, but the gospel is this, like, Jesus is here. Now, why would Jesus say that in Mark chapter 1? Why would he say the time's been fulfilled? Specifically in that moment. Sorry? Why would Jesus say that? Think about his time, his day and age, right, on the timeline. What had been happening for the last 400 years? Huh? Waiting for Jesus? What else? Silence, right? No, no prophets were speaking for God in that, in that 400 years. What were they waiting for? The whole Old Testament. This... This Messiah, right? He's going to correct everything. He's going to build that bridge back to, to God for us. What were they doing while they were waiting on this Messiah? Well, they were wandering. They were fulfilling kind of these laws and having these sacrifices and all this kind of stuff. So Jesus says, the time's fulfilled. Repent and believe the gospel for the kingdom is at hand. And then everything that Jesus would go on to talk about really was all about your heart. It's your heart. Um, he would give a whole sermon, and almost the whole sermon was like, you guys are used to a bunch of rules. And listen, the rules are good. The rules aren't bad. They're there to remind you that you need, you need God to help you get back to God. Like so, so, but now I'm here, and what is Jesus telling them? He's like, in some different ways, he's saying, I mean, I'm going to have to sacrifice myself. What did the disciples think about that when he said, I'm going to have to sacrifice myself? I'm like, but you, you just got here. We're supposed to like, isn't this like, you're going to be like, you're going to lead like an army and we're going to take over the world because that's just kind of how they thought. And what did Jesus do? Well, he sacrificed himself on a cross to pay the price for our sins. He raised three days later, right? Raised from the dead. And then everything would kick off. But that whole three years, there's some miracles in there and there's some different moments, but he was all talking about their heart. You've heard it said, obey the rules. I'm saying if you obey the rules and your heart's not in it, you've missed it. That's essentially what Jesus said for like three years. It's all about what you do with your heart. Here's what I'm afraid of. If I can just be dead level honest with you. I'm afraid that we've got a generation of teenagers Maybe you just call it the teenagers in this church, the teenagers at Fuse, the teenagers all over like America in 2023 that are like, I don't know. I mean, I'll go to church, but I'll give, I'll, I'll behave a little bit, but I don't know that my heart's really in it. And I don't know that you would say it that way. Maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't. Here's what I'm saying. I don't want you to just think that attending church praying a prayer, getting baptized, going to camps, right? Just walking through all the motions is like the thing that makes you good. What is it that makes you good? Is it your behavior? No. Is it your church attendance? No. What is it that makes you good? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. You can do good things for sure, but what makes you good? Your faith, getting closer. Your heart, 
Keep going. What? Yeah, God. Jesus. Jesus is the only one. Our heart devotion, like our heart surrender, the repentance, the change of mind is the only thing that makes us good. It's that heart devotion to him that you quite honestly can't fake. You just can't fake it. Like I think about David. Was David perfect? No, far from it. But he was known as being the guy that had a heart after God, right? He was a man after God's own heart. For me, that's like the definition of what it looks like to be just like devoted to Jesus, a man after God's own heart. There's, these, um, there's this story that I read. Um, in fact, this is not going to be on the screen. This is just kind of off the top of the dome. In uh, Luke chapter 11, I was reading this the other day, and it broke my heart. Let me put this back here. Luke chapter 11, Jesus is telling a, a parable. Let's see if I can find it. Is it Luke 11? Luke 18. So close. Luke 18. There's a parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector. So Jesus is telling this parable, and a parable is kind of this like fictional story, and it's got this one specific little truth that you're supposed to take out. It's one little nugget, okay? And here's, here's how it goes. Jesus told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Pause real quick. You're going to have to really listen because this isn't on the screens. Jesus was telling this story to all these people that were trusting in themselves that they were righteous. What does trusting in themselves mean? Well, I give, I serve, I know the Bible in and out, right? So I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm fixed. I'm going to heaven because like I prayed, I even filled out a little card, right? I even gave money to the church. And so they were trusting in themselves rather than trusting in Jesus. Like the whole heart devotion is trusting in Jesus. Like you are saying, Jesus is paid the way for me, right? That's it. That's like, that is the gospel. Jesus paid the way for my salvation by his death on the cross. So he took my sin and I got his righteousness. That's Christianity all wrapped up in one moment, right? We trust in what he did on the cross. But these people were trusting in themselves that they were righteous. They treated others with contempt. They were self-righteous. They were looking down on other people. And so here's Jesus. He's trying to like paint a picture so they really see what's happening here. Two men walk into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, let me pause real quick. When he says Pharisee, what are people thinking? What's a Pharisee? It's a religious ruler, right? They're, are they like, do they obey the laws or do they disobey the laws? They are the best at obeying the laws to the letter. Have they memorized scripture or do they not know scripture? They have memorized every scripture possible. They are like so smart. But this is one of those moments where Jesus says, hey, remember the, the, the hypocrites? Their heart's not actually in it. They just want to pray to be heard for their many words. That's, that's the Pharisees. The tax collector, what were, they, what were they hearing? Do we like tax collectors in this day and age? No. No. Why? Because they, ex- go ahead. Because they collected taxes and then some. And sometimes if they wanted to collect more just because they wanted to, they would. Say that again. They cheat you out of your money. Yeah. So in some ways, people hear Pharisee and they might be like, oh, yeah. They memorized all the scripture. Now, here's what we know. Their heart's not in it. 
but they, 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 they look like they know the part. Does that make sense? They're, they, um, they're truly like not devoted to God. They look like they want people to think they're devoted to God because of all their obedience and all the, that, that they, man, look at me. I know all the scripture. I dress the part. I look the part. But like in their hearts, not devoted to God. So he says, there's two people. They're having their reaction. And the people are probably thinking like, oh, I know how this is going. The tax collector is going to go to hell because he's cheating people out of their money. And the Pharisees memorize scripture. So they're, they're going to be the good guy in this scenario. We're always like, is a good guy and a bad guy, right? Is a good guy, bad guy scenario? So here's what happens. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed this way. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector, right? I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. So what is he doing? He's like, this is like the Pharisee right here. Boy, he's bragging. He's like, you know my resume? Like, I got a, I got a resume, right? This is, like, this is like the Patrick Mahomes of Pharisees, right? He's like, I will win the Super Bowl, right? I will have the stats, you're going to want my card. You're going to want to be me, right? Look at me. He's like, he's like, man, I'm amazing. Ah, thank you so much. In this, like, the opposite of humility, by the way, he literally, like, he's, he's like praying over there. Here's the tax collector just kind of, like, listening to the prayer. And he's like, I thank you that I'm not like this tax collector, this adulterer. And he's just like, pardon me, what? <laughs> you ever heard someone, like, talk bad about you right to your face? And you're like, is this really happening right now? And he's doing it in a prayer. Like in a prayer, he's like, thank you, God, that I'm not like this tax collector. He cheats people out of money. He steals. He's an adulterer. He extortions people out of money. Thank you, God, that I'm not like him. What is the, like, the number one sin that comes to your mind when you think about that? Pride. Pride. You just kind of want to be like, hey, hold, hold, hold on, bud. Pride's a sin too. <laughs> this is literally the opposite of the Lord's Prayer. And it's literally the opposite of the heart of Jesus. Right? Does that sound like Jesus at all? Not at all. Not at all. Tax collector starts praying, right? He's over here in his, in his chair. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes up to heaven, right? Just out of kind of humility and sadness. He beat his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's it. One person was like, I'm a sinner. I know I don't have what it takes. I know I can't get to heaven on my own. I know I have a past. I know I have, I know I'm sinful. I'm, I'm disgusting. Without God, I'm nothing. And the Pharisees over here are like, look at all my accomplishments. Thank you so much that I'm not like this. Ugh, that's disgusting. Pride over here and humility over here. Now, this isn't a good guys versus bad guys. I think sometimes in the church, I want you to hear me. Okay, so if you're tempted to get distracting, distracted, please don't miss this. Sometimes we in the church, we're like, we're the good guys, and those people outside the church are the bad guys. Right? We believe the right thing. Those people that don't believe in God, they're the bad guys. And I just need maybe for all of us to understand the, um, the appropriate posture towards God is the, have mercy on me, God. I'm broken. I don't have it together. I just don't. I need you. Like, I need you. That's it. 
I absolutely need you. And so the, the posture there, it really comes from a heart that is changed by Jesus. And, and I, I need you to hear me. I can't change your heart. Your parents can't change your heart. I need you to hear me. If your parents are Christians and because your parents are Christians, you're like, I'm all set because I was like born into a Christian family, so I'm a Christian. The Bible has lots to say about that, okay? And it's, it's specifically the Jews felt like that in a lot of ways. They're like, no, 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 you don't understand. Abraham's my like great, great grandpa. So like we're in. And you know what Jesus is saying is like, dude, you are missing it. Because it is up to every single person to decide what to do with Jesus. And if you, at any point, if you're over here trusting in your own path, so what makes you good? Going to church? No. Are all those things good, right? Going to church, giving, serving, right? Paying attention, taking notes, going to camp. Those things are all good. They don't make you good, right? What is good? Let's define good for a second. Good, Jesus is the only good one. God is the only good one. And I'm terrified that we've got a bunch of people that are so distracted, maybe by the program of youth ministry, and maybe by, like, life, and maybe even by, like, all the good things that we have in this life. If I could just help you understand, like, if you do all this good stuff, we go to church, we go to camp, we give, we serve, we, we got friends in church, we show up for views on time, like, this is awesome, Right? It's all good. If that's all you do and you never actually like have a moment where you're like, my heart is surrendered to God and I'm repenting, I'm changing my mind, changing my direction, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. If that never happens, the Bible says you go to hell. Does Mark say you go to hell? Right? Does Pastor Malcolm say you go to hell? All we're saying is the Bible says some things about what happens when we don't give our, our lives to Jesus. That's it. When we're not surrendered, when we're not repenting. Jesus' first words. The time is fulfilled. Repent and believe the gospel for the kingdom is at hand. He's saying, I'm here. Now, he is saying, I'm here. And why did he say that? Well, because 400 years of silence, God wasn't speaking at all. Before that, there was the law. There was a sacrificial system all the way back, all the way back to Genesis 3. Where Adam and Eve ate, ate the fruit. They were tempted. And then we all have sin in our world. I don't have to tell you that you have sin in your life. I have sin in my life. That's like... Captain Obvious, right? Like, yep, I sinned in the last five minutes, probably. You know, like, I'm a, I'm, I have sin in my life. I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. And so Jesus says, the time is fulfilled. Now, what I think Jesus was saying in that moment was, everything you've been waiting for, this Messiah, is right here in front of you. And they should have been flipping out. So like, oh, you mean... Generations, we've been talking about this Messiah coming, and you're and you're you're here in front of us. Like we're the generation that gets to like watch this unfold in front of our eyes. Are you kidding me? And so some are following, some are rejecting. It's no different from today. Some are following, some are rejecting. Now, the the time is fulfilled. Do you know what Jesus said about the time that he would come back and and kind of bring all of life as we know it? to a close. Do you know what I mean by that? When, when all of this ends, right? When there's a full final battle that we learn about in Revelation where it's over. No one has a chance to repent anymore. It's over. Jesus comes back and it's, gone, and it's, it's like he's going to make all things new. There will be people that go to heaven 
there will be people that go to hell. In that moment, there's no, there's no choice to make. It'll be, it'll be over, right? Jesus describes it as like a thief in the night, right? You wake up, the trumpet sounds, boom. It's, ha- it's not like, oh, I'm too late. Ah, let, me get, let me get in real fast. Let me pray a quick prayer. No, it's too late. Do you know what Jesus says about that time? Because the disciples, remember, they said, he, they said the kingdom is at hand, right? The time has been fulfilled. And what do the disciples ask? Is this the time that you are going to restore the kingdom of heaven? In other words, are you going like, to like make war on everyone right now? Is it over? Are we going to heaven finally? Like, are, are you, like is it happening? And what did he say? It's not for you to know the times. But you be busy about being faithful. You be busy about surrendering your heart. Now, that was 2,000 years ago. But it's interesting to me that it could happen at any moment that Jesus comes back. And at that point, all, all of this is over. And I think what I've been really convicted about, this is just, I'm just kind of bearing my soul for you right now. Um, I'm terrified that I've got people in my life that aren't going to be ready when Jesus comes back. I'm terrified. I've got friends. I've got family members. Right? I've got neighbors. I've got church members. I've got students that I think are like, nah, I'm good. I'm terrified that there's going to be a group of people that split hell wide open because their heart is a heart of stone and is, and is not repenting and not surrendering. And there's nothing that I can do to change it. There's nothing your parents can do. It's a decision that you and I have to make for ourselves. Your friends can't make it for you. I can't even make it for you. There's not a pastor or a pope or anyone there's no small group leader. No one can make that decision for you but you to surrender your life to Jesus. There's a, um, there's a, uh, there's a, a psalm. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but Psalm chapter 139. If I can scoot all the way, Kyle, to verse 23 and 24. It's kind of the last slide there. Yeah. This is David crying out. Okay, I want to talk more about this psalm next week. But he's going to say, Search me, O God, know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. We've been talking about prayer, and this prayer has been rattling around in my head. This whole psalm is good. By the way, there's like multiple different versions of like, things he's asking for in this like little song. It's kind of a song and a prayer. But these two verses right here have been rattling around in my head for you all week long. Search me, oh God. It makes me wonder if you would be brave enough to pray this prayer. And I don't mean like real quick right now. Oh, good. Mark's happy with me because I prayed the prayer. No, I mean like with your heart, with devotion, Psalm 139, 23 to 24, I dare you to pray this prayer. Let me tell you why it's dangerous to pray this prayer. Because if you have, you know, what James would talk about, like the real right intentions in praying this prayer, like you really want God to show you if you're fully devoted to him, if, there's, if there are sin patterns in your life that do need to be repented of, that you do need to change your mind and change your direction, I guarantee you do. I got to be honest with you. God's been kind of wrecking me with some of the things that I have been involved in. And they're not like, 
big, bad, whatever. But like in little ways, God's like, hey, when you say those things, I can see your selfish attitude in that. Hey, when you act that way towards people, towards your family members, that's not very godly. Hey, when you blah, 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 blah. So I have these moments. And I want, to, I, want, I, want to, I want you to understand, right? I've been following the Lord for like years and years and years. And this prayer, it's not like a one time. Right? This should be over and over and over again. This really shows up when we have moments of like communion when we take the Lord's Supper. Right? We should pray this. Hey, God, can you just show me if there's a way that you need to kind of work with me in my own heart? Okay? In just a moment, I'm going to uh, challenge you to pray this prayer. But I've got a video that I think will illustrate it even better. So go ahead and turn your attention to the screens. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a, a masterpiece, you know? I mean, maybe a Picasso. It's like, <laughs> but I want to be his masterpiece. I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, Dear Heavenly Father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son. Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky. Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh. Why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh. Okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. Well, gave it away. You answered my question with a question. I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that, don't I? I did it again. Step right up, here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm gonna make you my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. Wait, wait, what are these about? These are the tools I'm gonna use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up, here we go. Okay. Oh, hey God. Mm -hmm. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? I take out everything in your life that doesn't belong there, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right here? It showed up when I was in my 20s and grew around and became back fat. I don't even know why you created that, but I can't get rid of it. I mean, I've tried everything. Like, I tried running, I tried lifting weights. My wife actually talked me into trying Pilates. That was awkward, but I can't get rid of it. So if you would just chisel around here, and then, you know what, if you chisel a line right here and maybe Four to five, maybe eight lines right here. That would be awesome. You're funny. You made me that way. I also made the platypus. The platypus? All I'm saying is most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So do you want to talk or can I chisel? Talk, chisel, No, talk, no, chisel. no, 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 no. I choose to chisel. All right. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring up things in your life that I want you to work on. Like your anger. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um, you compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to people please. You're lazy. 
but you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Well, time out. <laughs> I don't really have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. <sighs> Hang on a second. I mean, I, I gotta admit, I, mean, I feel like you've been doing some great work and I'm looking pretty good right now. All right, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, don't misunderstand me. It's just um, when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean, even my church friends and they're like, oh, you're holier than thou, you know? And, and I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to make people uncomfortable. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Um, it's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. I'm just saying you've done some great work. Maybe we take a break, a sabbatical from each other, you know. I'll stay right here and then, you That's know. That's just it, you never just stay right there. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but never you just stay. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things in your life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, no, chisel. No, chisel, chisel. All right. But can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Now this right here, this secret sin that you keep running to whenever you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired, that you think you're fooling everybody, but it's making you a whitewashed tomb. Are you ready for me to chisel this out of your life? Yeah. You see, it's a process. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's your whole life. And you care so deeply about what other people think of you. It's rubbish, it's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever gonna hear is at the end of your life when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize, heavenward. Oh, that hurts. Oh, trust me, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Okay, I'm sorry. I just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Don't talk to me about sacrifice. I know all about sacrifice. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you've been doing for years, these empty wells that don't have anything to offer. You've been going to them and it's insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. Um, allow me to produce character where you keep focusing so much on your image. Okay, but I was thinking. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Okay, but if we went another way. Your ways are not oh, my ways. Oh, I can't. You can't what? I, I, I can't be good. That's your excuse. That's your excuse is that you can't be good. It's not an excuse. I can't. Oh, my child, in the beginning, I said it was good. I made you good. Be good. Yeah, but you and I both. What? Nothing. No, what is it? Nothing, okay? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just, um... I let you down so many times, God. No, my child. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand. Never the other way around. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay. Chisel away. 
just just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. Because I know who's inside there. Because I get up every morning and I look at him in the mirror and I hate who I see. Because deep inside there, this, this, this little kid who gets up every morning and dresses like an adult. And I go out and I, and I try to do what I'm supposed to do, but I can't, okay? I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. And so inside is this scared, stupid little kid. But you chisel away. Just be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not from me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me. I don't take time to make junk. How can I show you that my love for you stretches as far as the east to the west? That How can I show you that my love for you has no end? I know. Reach in your back pocket. What? Reach in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. Oh, God. Yes? I just meant, God, I'll do that right now. You're just saying my name in vain. Come on. It's, it's a name. It's a saying. It's a name above all names. It's more than a saying. It's more than a name. I want to teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. Oh, my gosh. You know what that is? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a note. I, I wrote it when I was in college. How did you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, read it. I love Angie. Other side. Sorry. Dear God, did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that you love me? Even though you and I both know I've messed up so many times. Did I hear you say you want to use me? And I feel so useless. If you'll take me and use me, then God, I give you all that I am. Take me. I love you, God. I love you too, and I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. This salvation that you hold, I don't want it to be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And when problems come and chaos happens, don't look at it as a, as a prison, but look at it as a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's going to be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was going to be easy when you gave everything over to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's... No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you, but maybe for the first time in your life, the way I see you, the way I created you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece.
Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. What I want you to do right now is um, just we're going to have some time to like just respond. So if you will just stand up right where you are and close your eyes. I just kind of want to close our time together before we worship. Um, let's put all the drinks down. Just make sure that we don't have anything distracting. Just with your eyes closed. This is one of those moments where I know that you're in a room with a bunch of people and the temptations to look around so that you're not focused. I'm asking you to close your eyes so that you can focus. There's these two stools up here that I described earlier. There's the Pharisee and the tax collector. And um, the Pharisee is obviously trusting in kind of their good works and their their literally thanking God that they're not like the sinner, even though they are the sinner. Like, full pride on display. And the tax collector is relying on God's mercy, relying on the salvation that Jesus provides through his death on the cross. And everyone here will have to decide whether or not we're going to go our own way, whether we're going to reject the offer of salvation or whether we're going to just cry out, God, will you just have mercy on me? Some of you have made the decision to become a Christian. That's kind of what this is about, but there's some other things as well. Some of you have not made the decision to become a Christian, and it's just as simple as as what we just saw is this idea that not that we do things to get better and that God is happy with us, but because we place our faith in Jesus and we just wholeheartedly, like the tax collector, said, would you just have mercy on me, God? Like the prayer at the end where he remembered the moment he became a Christian. I had a moment like that. Several of you have had a moment like that where I just said, God, I don't want to do this life alone. I'm asking you to save me. I'm asking to place my faith in you. I want to become a Christian. I want to say thank you for paying for my sins on the cross. And I want to find my identity in you. I want you to lead me all the days of my life. And that was like a salvation prayer for me. And there's no special prayer. Literally, Jesus said, don't repeat words mindlessly. It was just me and my own words. And some of you have prayed that prayer. Maybe you haven't prayed that prayer. Maybe you've never placed your life in Jesus, Jesus' hands. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. If you want to right now, in just a moment, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that. I'm not going to guide you in that prayer. I literally think you can do it. It could be as simple as, God, I need your forgiveness. I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Some of you are Christians and your heart has gone from a place of humility to God to a more calloused, stony, I'm going to do life my own way kind of heart. And you need to let that melt. You need to let that just be humbled before God today. And some of you don't know where you stand. So if Kyle could do me a favor and put that verse 23 and 24 on the screen, I know I asked you to kind of keep your eyes closed, but if you just want to read that prayer silently to yourself, and here's the deal, I dared you to pray it, 
I'm only daring you to pray it if you will pray it with all sincerity, with all honesty, actually asking God to provide the answer. So I want you to close your eyes. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and then we're going to play for just a moment, and then we'll sing a song together. Okay? I'm not going to have you come down here. I want you to stay so focused right, in this moment of prayer. I'm going to pray for you. If it's time for you to kind of pray this in your heart, maybe some of you are like, hey, I need to give my life to Jesus tonight, and I have questions. Uh, myself, Nikki, Chris, any one of us, we're all here. All the leaders would love to talk to you. Okay? I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, there's hearts in this room that need to be rescued by you. There's hearts in this room that have been rescued by you, but we've kind of drifted into kind of doing life our own way. All of us need a form of that repentance, that changing of mind and changing of direction. This isn't about religious performance. This is just about where our heart is before you. So God, as we sing, I pray that these students would just be bold. If a student needs to grab a leader before these songs are even over, I hope pray that they would be bold enough to do that. If they do want to come down and, and kneel to pray while we're singing, I pray that they would do that. But I pray that every student would just lean into whatever the decision is for them in this moment. Not like the Pharisee, but like the tax collector. God, have mercy on me. It's in your name we pray.